Tuesday, July 30th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Dave Meyer. Good to see you, gentlemen. Good Hello, day to Chris. You. Good day to you. It is not a good day for the companies we're about to speak of. <laughs> that seems like uh, a trifecta of red out there. Uh, it is a lot of red out there in the market today, and we're going to focus uh, on the latest earnings from Coach, from 3D Systems, National Oil Well Varco, uh, and we will wrap up with a, a troubled retailer. But let's start with Coach. Shares at one point down 10% this morning. Fourth quarter revenue came in much lower than expected, and maybe this has nothing to do with anything. But oh, by the way, the company also announced that the chief operating officer and the person who is the president of the North American group, both those people are leaving. And that's, I don't know, is there is this one of those where there's smoke, there's fire, or does it have nothing to do with anything? A lot of eye catchers in this release, no doubt about that. I mean, when you look at leadership changes like that to go with missing your sales numbers, you don't have anywhere to go really butt down, Chris, and that's what we're seeing today for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, there there are some positives and negatives, I think, with this, re- with this report, and they did miss their sales numbers, uh, but by the same token, they did grow the top line in their North America segment and their international segment, which is good. Uh, Same-store sales in, in North America were down about 1.7%, which was concerning. Uh, they are just seeing some material weakness kind of carrying on in that North America market, which is their biggest by far and away. Uh, but the encouraging part there is that a third of their sales are attributed to their international segment, which continues to grow. Strong performance in uh, areas like China, uh, opening up new opportunities in the Middle East, uh, Latin America, things like that. Those will take a lot of time to play out. Um, But I think, yeah, you mentioned all of the leadership changes. And this is really, I think, the key to the story here at this point, because we knew a little while back that that Lou Frankfurt was going to be stepping down Mm -hmm. uh, from the CEO position. And shortly thereafter, we found that Chief Creative Designer Reed Krakow is going to be stepping down as well, moving on. And so it sounds like now the COO is stepping down and moving on. Uh, you know, when you see a company go through this sort of leadership change, especially at the very top with a CEO, a lot of times I think you do sort of you start seeing some of this leadership shake up and sort of things uh, reorg. And I would rather see that happen now as opposed to later because you can really get your entire team together and get everybody on the same page. And I think that that's what uh, Victor Luis is really focused on doing right now. Uh, a lot of a lot of pessimism baked into the stock price today, no doubt about it. And I think the coach is a very strong brand and a very well-run company with a great history of uh, opportunistically buying back shares, bringing that share count down, increasing the dividend. So there's a lot of good history to go on there, but this is going to boil down to a leadership story, making sure that they get it right. So if you're looking to get into coach, I don't know that I would necessarily say jump in today. I think that you could probably give it a couple of days to let things sort of <laughs> settle down and see where, where, where we lie. But, um, I mean, if you own shares of Coach like I do, I mean, I, I see no reason to sell them. I'm still very encouraged with, with where this company's going over the long haul. There's, there's an analogy here in, in, in pro sports. Like when you get a new head coach, he may not like all of the marquee players, right? There may be a shift in the way he wants to run the team. And so uh, you, you can't see a, a natural um, shake up within the uh, within the ranks, and the same thing can happen in business. Um, I hear everything you just said, Jason, and yet, and I don't own shares of Coach, but I look at this and I think, you know what? There's there is just so much going on here that is um, well varying degrees of not good. Yeah, <laughs> that I just sort of look at this and go, you know, I think if Coach were a stock on my watch list, I would put this in the category of. 
let's check back in next quarter. Yeah. Uh, because it, it really does seem like I, – and I totally get the – you know I mean, I think that's an apt analogy, uh, Dave, in terms of pro sports and the, the whole thing with the – but the thing is like that – that doesn't solve itself overnight. <laughs> no, and I think you make a you make a very good point there. I think a quarter could certainly be a very realistic time frame for people if if they're looking at coach as a potential idea. Uh, yeah, I mean maybe they keep it on there on their watch list and check back next quarter to see how things are progressing because there are just a lot of things that we don't know. Uh, with that said, I mean there are encouraging signs here. I mean Victor Luis has has some. Good experience in the business and with the company in their international segment. Um, and Stuart Vivers, who is the new creative designer, has some excellent experience in the industry as well, working with companies like uh, Louis Vuitton and Mulberry, among others. Uh, so they don't have these sort of wet-behind-the-ear newbies just stepping into the role. Again, though, yeah, I, I, they, they have to prove themselves, no question, and we'll be keeping our eyes on it for sure. And not every new manager starts off with a 12-game winning streak. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so your point is taken. Uh, 3D systems, second quarter profits came in low, and I think the basic math reason for that is that expenses up 58%. Dave, we like to see companies, particularly tech companies, <laughs> investing in R and D. Yep. I, I think that's you know that's a that's a fair sort of sweeping statement to make. Uh, and yet, when you look on a quarter by quarter basis, it can have very real consequences, and, and the stock getting hit today. Uh, most definitely, um, the, the the other big uh, the other big place that they spent money was in marketing, um, which that can be a little bit tougher to decipher. You know what's going on. What I mean is. You know, we do know 3D printing has a huge tailwind behind it. Um, 3D Systems is an established company, but they need to spend on marketing. They need to make sure that all of the new customers that they're trying to go after know about all the products and how the products are changing, uh, the new products that are being added to their portfolio. And so, you know, when you see a 50% increase in SG&A, mostly on the backs of marketing, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's definitely a little cause for a little concern. But at the same time, I think that's a good place for the money. Um, you talk about R and D, yeah, R and D almost doubled. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty big, pretty big, uh, pretty big jump. But again, if we look at um, the purpose of R and D, that's to make products better or bring new products to the market. So today, not you know, today certainly not looking good on the bottom line. But we need to evaluate this so these investments over a period of time. Is there anything I'm I'm looking at? Coach and 3D Systems, and one of the thoughts I have is their competitors, uh, Michael Kors with Coach, Mm -hmm. Stratasys with 3D Systems. Do you think either of those companies is is sort of rubbing their hands in glee today, or or is that the kind of thing that I just I just imagine because it's fun for me to imagine that type of thing? Instead, maybe they're just sort of like you know what we just got to focus on our own our own knitting here. So what I've seen from Michael Kors, he might be actually rubbing his hands in glee. <laughs> he's he's a, he's an animated character, uh, but from the Stratasys standpoint, I I don't think so. Again. The, the the tailwind is behind the industry, not necessarily right. just the comp- just Stratasys, just three D systems, just any of the competitors. But it's probably there's probably a little bit of satisfaction today. And where I was going, you, you know, one step further is just to bring it back to investors is. You know, if you're an investor in Michael Kors, in Stratasys, or their stocks on your watch list, is is this a good gauge of what to expect? Is is it sort of uh, is are these the type of industries where you can say, well, if that's what's going on with one company, 
it's reasonable to expect something similar, or maybe we shouldn't be surprised by something similar. So in the case of 3D systems, is it reasonable to expect that Stratasys is ramping up their R&D in the well, same manner? If the marketing, uh, if sorry, if the market indication of Stratasys being down slightly is, in, if that's any indication, then it could, you know, that that view could be playing out. But I don't think so. Again, marketing spending and R and D spending are very much in the company's control. National Oil Well Varco's second quarter revenue was up eighteen percent, but profit was down. 12% stock, down a couple of ticks today. Uh, this is a company you watch closely, Jason. What did you make of the quarter? Yeah, it was a little bit counter to the trends that we've been paying attention to over the past few quarters in regard to top-line revenue growth, because most of the companies we've been keeping our eyes on um, have, have witnessed some trouble growing the top line, at least uh, you know, noticeably, uh, and, and National Oil Well Varco was able to really grow the top line significantly. Uh, now, granted, part of that was due to an acquisition, but we also know that National Oil Well Varco's strategy is based on acquisitions. I mean, yep. they just they with their scale, they pull on all these little bolt-on acquisitions to improve and enhance the services and, and equipment that they offer. Um, you know, ultimately making them just you know a stronger competitor in, in the space, and that that no other vendor uh, acronym or nickname really goes really goes uh, <laughs> with, with that uh, with that. T- ticker of, of knob you know i mean there, there is a lot to that um but yeah i mean you know there are reasons to be op- optimistic i mean they, they really do hold a great position in the market uh they they juiced the dividend a little bit here think right david yeah we we uh it was a double doubled double, double the, the quarterly dividend, dividend. So that's encouraging as well that's, um, a, that's a little that's a little juice Energy's kind of been left <laughs> behind. How in, much in is this. that? Is that like they doubled uh, it from no. two cents it's, to it's, four cents? Yeah, it's a small. It's, it's, a small it's tiny, <laughs> but it does show commitment from management. And, and I mean, truthfully, energy is energy is kind of the 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 market that's been left behind as this tide's <laughs> been rising, right? I mean, energy yeah. just hasn't seen the same sort of enthusiasm that you've seen in a lot of these uh, retail brands and growth stock names with these three D printings. And uh, why do you think that is? By the way. Uh, personally, I think it's because of the uncertainty of of oil prices. I think I think people look out and they they say there's no way oil can continue to keep going up and up, and they just they discount that um, in into the stock prices. I think the other thing that's not helping is the natural gas market. Um, you know th- that price just can't seem to get out of its own way. Yeah, but uh, I think it's yeah I think it's the commodity prices. Of the three companies we've focused on, Coach 3D Systems, National Oil Well Varco, all down to varying degrees today, is is one of them uh, sort of, uh, I don't want to say a safer bet, but is is one of the three <laughs> at the top of your list in terms of like, you know what, d- this is a blip, don't be fooled by the stock dropping today. Because I, I, you know, anyone could look at these and just be like, well, look, they're all down, you know, two to, you know, 10% depending on your perspective. Yeah, but, I mean, is safe is, is different. That's that's not the same as like what would I do, right? I mean, right. I, I mean, personally for me, I mean, I like all three companies and what they do. I, to me, I feel like this coach sell-off is way overblown. I mean, I don't want to tell people to just go out there and click the buy button. Yeah. But by the same token, I mean, 14 times earnings for a company like this is is awfully enticing. And I mean, you have to look at this really, I think, as a longer-term story. This is not a zero-sum game, right? It's not going to be Michael Kors wins and coach loses right. and coach never does anything again. I mean, it's not going to be that way. Uh, I think that they've got a good leadership team in place and you know, I own I own shares of Coach already, sort of close to this price th- that they're at now. Um, so, 
to me, it's it's the most attractive opportunity of the three. I feel like there's a lot of upside. Well, as a more growthy investor, um, I certainly is that a word <laughs> growthy? It is now. It okay. is here. <laughs> um, I look at uh, I look at the again the tailwind behind 3D systems. Um, the the things that management is is reinvesting in in improving new products, uh, building new products for for an industry that's going to grow for a while. I think that gives them lots of options going forward. Um, again, it's it's no fun to see your stock drop nine ten percent, but I for for a long term investor that's looking for a growthier name. Um, I think 3D systems is a good uh, is a good idea today. Now, what we're going to have to do here is we're actually going to have to document these picks because you know, in a year, <laughs> two years later, we want to be able to go back and call this out. I called you know, it. Listen, I totally. I called. told you, <laughs> July thirtieth, two thousand thirteen. When Jason Moser snubbed his nose at me, let's click these I still and told it. done. People, you hold us accountable. Um, speaking of looking back in time and holding. People accountable. <laughs> Barnes and Noble nice <laughs> announced that it is restating its financial statements because of quote a material error. Um, this is a material error that occurred in the quarters ending in late January, late October of last year, late July of last year, and the fiscal year ending April twenty eighth, twenty twelve. And they're just finding it now. This is. Uh, um, I don't know. This just I, I I we've talked before about Barnes and Noble and the opportunity in the bricks and mortar space, the ability the company or I should say the opportunity that the company has to really shed the digital uh, part of the business, really just focus on those high performing locations and be a smaller company but probably a more profitable company in the process. And yet when I read a story like this, to me, this is far worse than what's going on at Coach, where there's a turnover in leadership. Yes, maybe the headline is, holy cow, two of the top executives at Coach are leaving, whereas I look at something like this and say, wow, systemically, you guys have a problem with your books. Now, it's not a problem like the SEC is kicking in your door and taking calling people off to jail, but this just seems... So bad. And and, and just sort of bad in the sense of just deflating. Like if you're a mid-level executive at Barnes & Noble, you see this news and you think, really? Really? How's my LinkedIn profile looking? It's like the ultimate – I mean it's like if someone asks you what does salt in the wound mean, you just say, see this story because that's essentially what this feels like. But I mean I I, I can't help but just think that like Barnes & Noble is just sort of – for so long, I mean, they just did simple business of selling books in, in stores, right? It was just kind of easy. But I, I think that as times have changed, as technology has taken over, and they, they were forced to make some changes or at least attempt to make some changes and try some new things. And I, I, you know, restating financial statements is never a good thing, obviously. But I think the, I, I just feel like these guys were getting way out of their really their circle of competence, so to speak. You know, I mean, I just I feel like they were getting away from what really they were all about in the first place. I just the nook and digital content, everything like that. There's just they don't hold a candle to what your your bigger players out there like your Amazons and your your Googles and Apples to a, to an extent uh, are able to, to do. So, I, you know, I mean, this it's too bad. I mean, I imagine at some point here Riggio is just going to try to figure out where to take this uh, the bookstores away and, and move on yeah I think I think that's uh, what, what you just talked about is is where I'd like to go and that's you know 
they've they've just been disrupted. Yeah. You know, I, don't get me wrong. I love going to a bookstore. I love, you know, walking around, feeling it in my hands, check, checking it out, getting something to eat or drink, sitting down. You know, I, I love that atmosphere. But it's just not the way it happens anymore, at least not profitably. Um, yeah. It's a tough business. And, and, you know, Amazon has come in and changed the paradigm uh, and done it twice to them, right? Yeah. They, they, you know, they're playing catch up in trying to get, you know, selling their books online and they're trying to play catch up with, uh, you know, their, their reader. The Nook was a nice little product too, but unfortunately they were late. And that's, you know, that's just, that's the, to me, that's the story. Let's end on a slightly more positive note, given all of the uh, the red we've talked about today, which is uh, in keeping with uh, books. Do you have a, a book recommendation for our dozens of listeners, maybe something you're reading over the summer that you've read recently or is on your list that you're expecting? What's on your reading list? Uh, my, my reading list, um, I'll give you one that I don't have a book that I'm reading right now, but one that I just finished that I absolutely loved was called Firms of Endearment. Uh, the author is Professor Raj Sisodia, and basically it talks about companies that really take care of all of the stakeholders, customers, suppliers, you know, its own employees, uh, sh- and shareholders. When, when companies focus on all of those people, they actually really outperform the market. And the reason is they're able to sustain their business. And he presents lots and lots of evidence uh, showing how it works. So my, my, I say take a look, you know, take a, have a read, and think about the types of companies today that are taking care of all of their stakeholders. It sounds like a very substantive book, which is good because that title is just a little too cute by half. <laughs> Firms of endearment. Um, yeah, that does sound like something on The Simpsons. Yeah. Jason, what about you? Uh, yeah, I took the advice of our own Morgan Housel and recently downloaded uh, Bull by Maggie Mehar, and she is a financial journalist. So it accounts for that long secular bull market from like 82 to 99 or whatever, right before the dot-com bust. And interestingly enough, even Motley Fool has even mentioned this book a few times, but it is a really fun read. I mean, just, just a great look back at sort of that whole – you know, how it all started, the, the leverage buyout stories of the late 80s and then sort of the, the internet boom in the late 90s and how uh, everybody was gunning out there for free money. Just just really fun read. Uh, I am uh, – here's how bad I am at, at sitting down with a, a good book, which is I started reading a book and then just, you know, life gets in the way and so I put it down. <laughs> so I've actually forgotten the title of it. Um, but it's by Bill Carter who is – the television writer, longtime television writer for the New York Times, um, and it's his most recent book. He he um, uh, wrote the great book in the 1990s, The Late Shift, about the uh, battle to succeed Johnny Carson. And he wrote a follow. This is his follow up book about Conan O'Brien taking over the Tonight Show, and then Jay Leno's move to primetime, and then his move back. Um, but Carter's an amazing. Uh, reporter and, and a great writer, um, and it's it's interesting, and we're starting to see this play out. You talked about disruption before, Dave, but uh, it, it's really interesting to see how individuals get disrupted in the in the television world. Yeah. But I think what we're really starting to see now with Netflix and House of Cards and the on demand stuff. And even today, there was a story about CBS battling it out with Time Warner Cable. I think over the next couple of years, it is just going to be a land grab for the content producers. Because I think the uh, 
the people who are clinging, the broadcast networks who are sort of clinging to the business model, which has been very good to them for so many decades, um, is about to crumble in the next decade. <laughs> and they really better figure out how they're going to distribute their content because more and more people are going to be able to get their content. And we, we talked yesterday, I think, about Discovery Communications. Um, was that with you or someone else? Well, I wasn't in here yesterday, but yeah, I know Discovery Communications is looking at possibly at, making their own app to yeah. stream their own content. And, yeah, and I saw a quote uh, from the CEO where he uh, he basically said, "We don't care how the content gets distributed; we own the content." Yep. So, so he's just like, "Hey, television network, internet doesn't matter. On demand." Whatever. We own the content. Well, and, and you're seeing that. I mean, the, the pro- proliferation of internet TV and all of these apps for all of these different channels, I mean, that's what it's becoming is like you just have this collection of apps which represent your channels. I mean, CBS and ABC and, and uh, AMC and all these, all these uh, content providers are doing it now. And it's just, you know, it's, it's working out the – it's working out the money part of it. I mean, it's just because they've been doing it for so long a certain way. Uh, with the cable providers, and you know there are there are a lot of hands in that cookie jar, so it's going to be tough to kind of figure out who gets what. But I mean, there's no question. I, I, I watch probably half of the TV that I watch is on my iPad. And let's not forget uh, let's not forget things like YouTube, where you can become an overnight star if your content is good. Yeah, yeah. YouTube, Roku, it's, all the it's others. It's incredible. I think you're right. All right, Jason Moser. That was a much longer wrap-up than I intended. I apologize for It was a good one. It was a good one. Uh, Jason Moser, Dave Meyer. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Rick Engdahl. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.